0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now.
0: Hi everyone, Telling here. You know at our podcast we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribing our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify, and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode.
1: Yo guys, it's Jesse. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian bitches down under. Right now, I am putting on hand cream. You know why, Helen? Uh,
0: because it's cold and very dry. Yeah. And
1: also, like, I keep washing my hands like crazy. And every time I wash my hands, my hands just go really dry afterwards. Does that happen to you? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, my so hands
0: terrible. You know, my hands sweat. Yeah, sweats, yeah like, I know. Out Helen's of nowhere.
1: Gross.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. My hands are terrible. It affects my climbing as well. I always look like a cocaine drug dealer after I've gone to climb because I just use so much chalk. Yeah, right, right. It's terrible. Um, Dude,
1: cocaine, heroin users actually, that's not one of their things. Life. No, yeah, yeah no. It's just, I'm, like, uh, the I'm like chalk when... powder yeah, are yeah, whites exactly. too. Yeah, uh, it's like Helen. They do that privately. <laughs> yeah, they
0: do that privately. Whereas I'm like dusted in yeah. white powders when I'm climbing. Yeah, yeah. How often do you go bouldering? Uh, once a week.
1: Oh, nice. I, I try love... once a week. Yeah, I, I should love that you do, do
0: that. more. Yeah, I should do more. I think.
1: Yeah. yeah, I love that you do that so consistently. Like I i've started going back to yoga i'm going back this tonight with a friend a couple of friends nice. and andrew which is good but uh-huh. yeah um i i haven't been doing it for a few weeks now like i yoga used to be something i did every morning but i don't uh-huh. know i think since my gastro awful gastro food poisoning just, experience yeah. two weeks ago <laughs> i've just been like so awfully lazy you yeah. just have to let your body rest
0: yeah a yeah. Bit. yeah 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 so what have you been up to this week
1: well, uh, last week I Andrew took me to Roseville Cinema, which was nice. We haven't been there together before. It's like full of old white people there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roseville Cinema, and we watched The Father. Oh, yeah, you
0: text me and saying that it's brilliant. Yeah, so yeah. Do you want to talk about it?
1: Well, um, The Father, um, I hadn't known anything about it. Um, Anthony Hopkins, isn't except it? Except that Anthony Hopkins is in it and yeah, Olivia, Olivia Coleman. Coleman, Colman. Yep. And um, Andrew really likes Olivia Coleman, so we went to see that. And we were a bit late, but um, that was fine. It was, like, the seriously the most extraordinary film I've seen in the last few years. Like, it's up there with Nomadland in terms oh, of it's, okay. like, style and um absolute distressfulness distressfulness Uh, yeah so depressing um, again and yeah anthony hopkins plays an alzheimer's dementia father and um his his daughter is olivia coleman and um i won't give away too much but it's just the the way the story is told is Uh extraordinarily good Uh it is just horrifyingly good like the movie really um paints the perspective from Anthony Hopkins' view. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, like uh-huh. you see it from his perspective, what it's like to lose your memory, and it's like so devastating. Mm-hmm. I can't I, I can't explain to you how devo that film makes you. And um watching it, like Andrew and I were the only people in the cinema who were under the age of 60. So like <laughs> watching it watching it was like really um like afterwards we came out and I said to Andrew, um, that must have been pretty confronting for old people to watch it, you know. Uh-huh. Perhaps
0: I mean everyone's gonna get old eventually.
1: Yeah. If you if don't die from, if you don't die early, from an accident, yeah,
0: yeah or yeah. when you die young. But it is confronting. I know there's more advanced medical procedures now for treating Alzheimer's or slow down yeah. um Alzheimer symptoms and things like that. But yeah, definitely I think for those old people. What about the we should have a scale of um cryability. What was the right. what was a crying point between one and ten for this for this um, movie?
1: Um, I'd say like about uh I say I cried real bad um at maybe two or three points uh-huh. in the movie yeah but like most of the film you're you're not sobbing you know mm-hmm. it's just like uh, i think there were two or three moments in the film where it was about a nine an eight or a nine wow yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah and uh, you know like i have a lot of friends helen who mm-hmm. um who have grandparents who are affected by alzheimer's mm-hmm. So like when I started talking to them and saying you need to go watch this a lot of them said to me no nah, it's too close to heart I can't do it. Yeah,
0: that's um, hard. Yeah,
1: but you and I do you, I mean I don't know about you Helen but I don't personally know anyone like we don't have Alzheimer's in our family, do we? Well, or do we? Both like our
0: grandparents passed away not from Alzheimer's, they were just died of old age and, you know, multiple complications. Mm, mm. Um, But I had watched some of the Alzheimer's related movies as well. There was one. Yeah. uh, There was a Japanese one that was starring Ken Watanabe. It was ages ago, at least 10 years ago. I can't really remember the the title. It's something about, like, Yesterday or something like that. But Mm. the film was displaying the Alzheimer's of a man in his middle age, rather than right, in his old, old age. age. Yeah, yeah. So he's got like kids in high school, and he's like in maybe his early fifties and starting yeah. um, going through Alzheimer um, symptoms. But mm. that film is more of a perspective of the people around him, right? Like right, picking up the signs of yep. why is he doing this repeatedly that he couldn't remember that like he did it yesterday. Like for example, purchasing shampoos.
1: Um, yeah yeah
0: yes it's quite heart-wrenching as well watching it from that kind of angle
1: yeah yeah it's um such a devastating condition yeah disease isn't
0: it Uh uh-huh you start kind of lose your memory not only that i think what's more devastating is for the people
1: around you around you Yeah, yeah you yeah
0: you start finding out that the person that you're with don't remember you anymore,
1: yeah, 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 well, um, the father is actually based on a play, um and it has been made into a French film um okay. much earlier, like mm-hmm. many many years ago, so I kind of i want to go read the play and also okay. watch the French version mm. yeah, 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 how about you um, what have you consumed this week i don't I haven't watched any movie to be
0: honest, this week, I've just been catching up some japanese dramas yesterday and the one that i mentioned uh, a couple of episodes ago uh, the woman with her three ex-husbands so <laughs> just watching that drama um mm-hmm. which is really good i love it on the other hand uh i think we we spoke about bridesmaid earlier
1: this week isn't it um <laughs> yeah, the yeah ten it 10 year um, 10 year anniversary of its release this year this month this week yeah you watched it? I watched
0: it, like part of it, and you yeah. can never uh, miss the part where they were trying that <laughs> Bryce May's dress. Right, but. Like, boutique yeah, shop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, Belle and Blanc. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I love that Whitney, part. Whitney, it's Helen. <laughs> <laughs> Helen Harris. <laughs> Roseburn does the I most. I fucking love Roseburn. Yeah,
0: but she does the best. Um...
1: Dutzy girl. Yeah, exactly. Voice. I know. She's so. I love Roseburn so much. <laughs> Um, I I think, I mean, obviously there are so many great scenes in the film, but my favourite scene is definitely um, the the scene where Rose Byrne and uh, Kristen Wiig try and compete. At the engagement party and they (laughs) and they start singing. Um, keep shining, keep trying, knowing you can always count on. For sure, yeah. Uh that was the best scene, I think. Yeah, it's just so funny. So yeah. Um, I have been also like um people have been talking about Girls Five Ever, which is like a new show that dropped on Stan recently. Maybe a lot of our listeners have looked at it. I actually watched the first 10 minutes and then I noticed that there's an Asian character. Oh, in the, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Ashley Park, or maybe her name in the show is called Ashley, but she, like, so basically the, the show is about like um, women in their middle age and they used to be in a girl pop band, like oh, kind of like the Spice okay. Girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, I listened and to
0: Pilot f- Club. I listened yeah, to Bill yeah, and Drew talking cl- about yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah. And um, so they, uh, they used to be five and then um, now they follow, they're, now they're back together. But the thing is like the Asian character has died. <laughs> what? I know. I was like, she somehow died. So I was like, I'm not going to fucking keep watching. So I stopped watching after that.
0: That's funny yeah. because one of the like the title of an article I didn't clicked in and uh, read it this morning was that mm. this is like from like um Asian creative group or something like that. Um, twenty five percent of the Asian characters in the film die eventually at the end of the film. Or at the beginning what, of the what, film. What film? What film? I all overall, it's like a statistic they <sighs> did, you know? Oh, my God. Like
1: Asians have to die <laughs> or something. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's really says something, right? We're like the least valuable people, you know? Mm, yeah. Yeah. God, that's horrifying. Yeah, what about um, books, Hell, What are you reading? I don't want to mention the name of the book that
0: I'm reading it right now. I'm just trying to churn it through and finish it quickly to return it to someone. But it's, oh, oh, it's so tiring. I don't... I don't want to... I don't like reading monologues, but I'm reading the Chinese version of the book that I'm just showing just on the screen now. But it's so difficult to read monologues. Oh, oh, God. I I don't know how can people... I I guess it's a type of art as well, but I just can't read monologues. It just makes me... It's very sleepy-inducing, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so, like, you're such a big reader. I love it. I love it so much. Um, I'm reading, Um, I'm actually listening to it through audio books mm-hmm. because I've got too many books to read, so I like to just, like, have it in my, like, ears instead. Yeah, uh, I should I'm do reading, that too, I think. Yeah, it's only $16 for uh-huh. one book. It's mm-hmm. like, I, yeah, I, I, I don't mind that. That's, like... For me, good money well spent. Um, I'm reading a book called Rising Heart by Aminata Conte Bija, Mm -hmm. who's um, she was a refugee from Sierra Leone, Mm -hmm. and she has started a few years ago started this um, foundation called the Aminata Maternal Foundation, which helps women back home in her home Sierra Leone with like info getting. Better maternal health care. Oh, because yeah. Oh, I think yeah. I've read her somewhere. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, everywhere yeah. right now. Yeah, because yeah. um, she. I think I actually saw her at the couple of events at the Sydney Writers Festival, but I didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. She also won the Women's Agenda Emerging Leaders Award, mm-hmm. and so like um, I didn't know her personally. I should have just introduced myself, but she's really like her story is absolutely devastating. Uh, like I texted Helen yesterday that like, Helen was telling me to watch this uh, short documentary, um, which we will be talking about in this episode later on, mm-hmm. b- which was really sad. And I texted back to Helen that I had enough <laughs> of, like, trauma, trauma for one day because, yeah, yeah I'd been listening to Aminata's book and the first, like, first half is just, like, absolute oh, yeah. horrifying um, details about how she was gang raped. And it's just, uh, like, not not even that, like, really awful Things I'm not even going to say on mm-hmm. to you right now or anyone because I just like when I heard what happened to what happens to some women in Sierra Leone, I like actually thought I wish I'd never heard that. It's just so mm. dis- repulsive that I just like wish I never. Like I'm not someone who shies away from knowing the truth about the mm-hmm. world, but mm-hmm. the ho- the absolute disgusting things that women are put through in Sierra Leone made me like actually. Um, think I wish I didn't know that because now that I know that I just think you can't, can't, can't believe, know it yeah anymore. I can't not know it and I can't yeah. believe that it happens this world yeah, yeah. that things yeah. like that happen in this world like I, ah. I really maybe after we record Helen I'll tell you yeah I don't even want to tell you because it's just so horrifying if you want to know guys go out and buy Aminata's book it's really really just such a such a great story of like a woman's strength and power to overcome the most horrifying things. What I think is so interesting is that this kind of topic mm.
0: book sharing about traumatic experience mm. are usually read by women or people oh, yeah. who are Absolutely. victims. They yeah. the people in power or the perpetrators or could be perpetrators in the future will never read this kind of book. Like yeah. they they just don't have empathies or to know about yeah. what is really going on outside of their own well.
1: Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, at the end of the day, as Helen and I always come back to this conclusion, women are better than men. Yeah, Amen. We are. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Okay, so
0: let's jump into our first topic today. I Yay. want to talk about uh Olympics in Tokyo to start off.
1: Yeah. Mhm.
0: Which will coincide in the partial issues i will be talking about of asians in australian sports arena so mm-hmm. i want to start off by sharing that the a survey that i did on our instagram page a couple of days ago asking our listeners um do you think that uh our tokyo olympics should be still gone and i mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. received 97 percent of listeners mm. saying that it shouldn't happen Mm. Um, what was their reason? There's a spike of covert cases that just happened within the last weeks. I think they're mm-hmm. having like seven thousand daily cases, and the vaccination rate in Japan is still very low, something like not only not even two percent. Whereas mm. you know in Australia we've already reached like past three million vaccination or something like that. Mm-hmm. The Olympics, if it, it goes ahead, which It's everyone saying that it is going to go ahead, but there's still 80% of Japanese citizens that is against having it. Mm -hmm. It certainly puts a huge risk to the citizens over there, you know, and also the stubbornness of IOC having this Olympic going ahead without really considering the danger or the sportsman yeah. you know think about the activities that the athlete will be doing during and after yeah. the olympics they'll so just hang yeah. around having fun it yeah. really puts into the perspective asking yourself like what's the purpose of olympics like you're really promoting a competition or you're promoting yeah. the harmony I mean, yeah. there's a lot of sponsorship money Yeah, yeah, totally. churning out from this kind of event. It's a,
1: yeah, it's a very political event. It's very political,
0: uh, very, yeah. very capitalist driven, I think. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. And also, uh, did you know that the athletes in Australia have got prioritized of getting their vaccination before yeah. other people? like essential workers like at the moment what i think because of sending them to tokyo to attend olympics that's why athletes have starting to get vaccination before 1b or there's a category of vaccination receiving in australia so right. because of olympics the athletes right. gets the vaccination earlier yeah
1: Whereas i don't know how i feel about that Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, yeah. If they are getting it earlier than essential workers, I think that that's really fucked up.
0: Well, there was just another debate came out earlier this week that a lot of disability communities haven't received vaccination either. Yeah. So shouldn't the if they are in a high risk category, shouldn't they receive vaccination? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. When is the uh, Olympics due to? Uh, the
0: no the last week of july, july. yeah so oh, it's really? less than that's 10 so weeks soon. very very soon yeah and they're still having like thousands of cases daily in japan so
1: what i, don't, that's I honestly so don't insane. understand why would they do that god money yeah that, prestigious sports I don't know. it seems very um irresponsible yeah very yeah. irresponsible
0: yeah. oh god that's devastating Speaking of Olympics, there's another piece of article that came out last week about how the photo shots of the Australian Olympic teams are seen to be very whitewashed. Yeah. This is from Guardian Australia. Journalist has written that Australian basketball star Lise Kenbage has backtracked on threats to boycott the Tokyo Olympics in a racially-based protest. The Opal star... Centre has confirmed that she will play at the Tokyo Olympics after last week accusing Australia's Olympic fraternity of whitewashing after the photo shoot lacking racial identity. Yeah. So um so Kenbachi is like born to a Nigerian father. Mm-hmm. and she kind of protested i think it was on Tud- on one of her social media platforms saying that it is uh, looking at the australian olympic team it's very whitewashed so i looked mm. up the photo it's yeah. definitely fucking whitewashed i cannot well, see send it any- to me send it
1: to me right now like can you send <laughs> oh, me a screenshot yeah, okay. right now yeah yeah um well you know like um i know that when i was a kid all the kids who played saturday sport and little athletics Of all whites. Yeah, they were always white. Yeah. Yeah. I think in white people in Australia, the culture of sport is way more um, important than it is for Asian people. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Like, I remember um when I I think when I was a kid and I wanted to do sports, my parents were like, oh, what's the use of that kind of thing? (laughs) There's no future in it. Um yeah like uh I think sports is important. If I ever had kids, I would probably make them like make them no that's awful. I would probably like encourage them, them. Yeah, like Saturday soccer or something just cuz I think I'd be like the most I'd be the most violent and brutal soccer mom and that would be so <laughs> really? much fun. Yeah, just kidding. Can you imagine an uh, Asian
0: Asian it's Asian tiger soccer, soccer mom? mom.
1: <laughs> oh, my god. Um but uh yeah, I think, like, playing sports is great. Like, um, I think the reason why our parents never told us to do it was because, like, the way our parents raised us was, like, everything that we do would give us some sort of future. And, like, yeah. I think for them, they were like, oh, there's no point in sport because sport, you're not going to end up a sports person. So mm-hmm. what's the use? Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. I'm just trying to send you this photo now. I don't know why it's are not pasting onto you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll just just toot my camera and you'll see.
1: Yeah, yeah, show me. (laughs) That is literally like a photo of like a a Bondi (laughs) surfer.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, they're all like tall, broad-shouldered white men. Yeah. Oh, God. They literally look like the rowing team from Cranbrook or (laughs) Shaw or something like that. Or the rugby team from St. Ignatius. Uh-huh. Yuck. So there's
0: only one Indigenous First Nation athlete among that photo. Mm. and there's no other it's not very diverse it really reflects on the australian olympic teams as well yeah. as far well as i know there's only like two asians
1: yeah in yeah. the
0: olympic and team what,
1: and and then and, badminton you, and ping pong right? table tennis <laughs> table tennis yeah that's right oh my god oh no there's
0: actually another girl who is 20 yeah. only 21 but she's more like an abc i think She's in the artistic swimming. So those synchronized swimming teams. Oh, team? right. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's yeah, more like ballet hey.
0: Yeah. It's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Alessandra yeah. Ho from WA.
1: That's a good name. She um, sounds hot. So what like you mentioned
0: that how come that there's so many med- so little Asians in Australian sports? I think like yeah. you said that like, the stereotype of Asian sometimes ridicule their own selves, because there's a yeah. term that I grew up hearing, Dong Ya Bin Fu, uh, uh-huh. segment of the East Asia, which is mm-hmm. very racist term, originated mm-hmm. from like a British newspaper in Shanghai in the 1896. The British journalist who coined that term of how he observed the Chinese people in China back at that time, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And also it was used again in 1936 in the Berlin Olympics. They were seen that the Chinese athletes were, again, like kind of like characterized as a sick man of the East because of their skinniness. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, yeah. It's
0: kind of like a... I think it eventually kind of become like an internal racism for Asians mm-hmm. ourselves of our yeah. own body type. Yeah. And I think it's a very relevant to how the west emasculation of the asian men yeah, yeah
1: exactly yeah because the uh, typically the asian male body uh, um typically i stress that word typically the asian male body is not as tall broad-shouldered mm-hmm. built as the white man yeah i mean there's so many variations exactly i mean there's yeah so like, many variations yeah now. like my brother is super super buff um and he's asian and my partner is like white but he's not <laughs> like super super buff like my partner's skinnier than me so like you know there are different iterations of bodies in every race Mm -hmm. but like um the
0: stereotypical stigma around yeah and
1: also um it's i i kind of yeah like i think there's a there is a reason why some sports um kind of lends itself more easily to a particular body type you know like Mm -hmm. Gymnasts are sort of East Europeans or Asians or Russians, like yeah. girls who are slim, small bodies. And then, like, um, the best marathon runners are, like, people from Africa, right? Mm. Something to do with their build, mm-hmm. right? Yeah.
0: I guess the body type is very important, but at the same time, we see people like, what's the um, black gymnast in US? I remember her first name. Simone, the black what? The
1: gymnast oh oh the gymnast yeah the one yeah, Simbo- um, i remember her first name simone yeah um, so yeah she's... the one who was like came out and said she was raped by that coach. oh did she i, I didn't know wasn't she wasn't she yeah i think she was um simone bile yeah yeah, yeah. oh okay I, di- I didn't know about i, I think she was abused as well wasn't abuse. she i don't know
0: actually Okay, Simone Bale, That her body shape is not typically slim compared right, yeah, to yeah. the gymnast that we seen, you know, decades ago. Yeah, she's a she's a bit more muscular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I like that she still yeah.
1: went on and got a lot of gold
0: medals and she performed yeah. so well
1: as well. Well, I mean, this is a obviously a different topic, but like um, this week, uh, my colleague at Women's Agenda, Madeline. Hislop reported that the French Rugby Federation is now allowing transgender people to play in in its official domestic competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, like, really, like, I think, a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So their, their, their statement said, the federation is happy and proud to welcome, without distinction of race, religion, sex, and now gender, officially, those who are like us are united by same passion, the game of rugby. So I think they're just, like... Having this genderless kind of competition, which is a good thing, yeah,
0: fantastic, yeah, good to know well, speaking of girls uh, of the mm. Asian background, I feel like uh, when I was growing up, girls who play sports were not as popular what well, what what do you mean in Australia or well, at least from my own experience, girls who play sports are not as popular because they consider that playing sports will kind of give you darker skin and oh, the right. aesthetic desire of having skinny body right. it doesn't match of what you do in sports. Um, hmm. When I was growing up, like toned and muscular body were not considered as the mainstream beauty. And right. the stereotype in like beauties in Asia was too very much like skinny, Fair yeah. skin, long yeah, totally hair, white. and like a yeah. china doll, and yeah. like you said, Asian kids were not really encouraged to do sport either. I mean, even yeah. until now, um, a lot of Asian parents that I encounter, they fear of injuries. Like for example, like I do it climbing, and I've spoke to my friends and try to encourage them and also their kids to do climbing. <laughs> they told me that they don't want their kids to scrape their skins, or their fear of heights and falling. And also parents just have like participations themselves, you know, mm, and mm. with a comparison though between boys and girls, I feel like more of my friends with sons would take their kids to do sports, whereas yeah. not as much people with daughters would yeah. do sports during the weekend.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's really interesting because I know here in Australia, all the cool kids in, at least in my high school, all the cool girls did sport hmm Or, like, or they were very active. I think yeah. in my public school, the coolest girls were the ones who actually didn't do, I think they didn't do sport. They, because it was a public school, they were just, like, super literary nerdy kind of girls. But um, in, I know the private schools that I taught at in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, MLC, Kambala, um, a lot of different girls' schools, they, um, the girls, the coolest girls are the ones, like, the prefects or the captains. They were the ones who were heavily involved in sport. hmm I find, yeah, it's really interesting that um for men, sport is a much more, it's so much more entrenched in their sense of identity. Mm-hmm. Like I'm reminded of this, the, a writer who I absolutely despise. What's his name? Um, he's, <laughs> he's married, yeah, he's married to Emily Gould. Um, he's, he's, he's the, um, the brother of Ma- Masha Gasson who writes for the New Yorker. And mm-hmm. this guy, I don't even remember his name, but he, his surname is Gasson, Gessen And he wrote a few personal pieces. Um, w- one recently this year about how he's so upset that his son doesn't like soccer because like for him, soccer is everything. Oh my God. And like, seriously, the whole fucking essay was about me, me, me. And how sad I am that my son doesn't like soccer. Like I, I wanted to fucking shoot
0: this guy. Hell. I feel sad for like, the kids. Yeah,
1: I know. I know. I know. Like let him and I remember his name is like Rafi, his little son's name is Rafi. Aww. And like I'm just like, let the fucking kid be a fucking kid. Yeah. You know? Like he's just such an awful father. Ugh. I hate him.
0: It doesn't need to like soccer. I mean the kids can like something else.
1: Yeah, and Emily Gould is the girl who woman who you and I have talked about hell, she's the one who was like publicly shamed um on a tv show many years ago remember essay about about it. yeah yeah I love her I uh-huh. love that writer I think she's like everything she's done is magical but her husband is intolerable
0: how <sighs> pathetic is that you're writing a piece of essay literally shaming your child yeah exactly Into not liking like in soccer. soccer I know I, ha- I hate him
1: That's like yeah. the worst kind of father just let oh, your right. child be yeah you know Ugh. I'm actually gonna send Helen the link to that article <laughs> oh, so that geez. our listeners can actually have <laughs> yeah, a look, okay, and then like <laughs> drop us a line, DM us, and tell us what you think about this. Uh-huh. Yeah, this guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying about like Asian girls in Western culture, or maybe perhaps back in Taiwan. I don't know about Taiwan, but here when I was growing up in high school, the girls I hang around mostly Asians, and everyone are in such a big part of dieting culture back then which is something mm. that I'll probably um, say again in our second part. Everyone's saying that, oh, if you do such sport, your l- legs will look so muscular and you're yeah. not desirable. So that cool. was something that um, male gaze has always been very heavily rooted in our mind when I was growing up, at least yeah. that's how I experienced
1: I actually remember this from you. Yeah, in high school, your calves were chunky and you were like, oh, (laughs) chunky calves, chunky calves. I I was like, Helen too, it doesn't matter. It's really bad. Yeah, I think you were fine. I don't know, yeah. Well, uh, the two pieces of
0: articles that I looked up are regarding Asians in Australian sport. The first one is about football. So Asian Australians made up uh, around 16.3% of population at the last census in 2016, or around 3.5 million people which mm-hmm. is, it's it's a lot but normally when we hear about asia in context of australia um soccer or football mm. don't really have mm. much to do with it unless that we're talking about like asian champion league of soccer but now um i think there's there are more asian or asian heritage players in soccer that is involved in the football industry um mm. they want to increase the spectators from you know from Asian heritage so there will be more Asian heritage players to be involved in the soccer industry. Um, another piece of article I think was from ABC like back in 2020 to October Kai Fun and Sean Metasol did a piece about how Chinese Australians aren't represented in AFL
1: uh-huh. Um, interesting. And the
0: journalist has actually in- interviewed some Chinese family about their interest in AFL and also how the parents were eventually looking for, for their children to participate in AFL. For example, Arthur Liu, who arrived in Melbourne 20 years ago, uh, it is so funny and interesting yeah. when I read this, uh, a taxi driver advising that become a true Australian is to huh. watch AFL and support a team. Oh remember God, when yeah. we were growing in up melbourne, in melbourne yeah, yeah in melbourne yeah of course we were in melbourne for a year and a half i think yeah. we were kind of following afl for a little <gasps> were while were we are you serious yeah
1: oh uh, are you serious right yeah, now yeah yeah do you remember, remember dad
0: which team? um st kilda i think okay yeah i think dad bought us football as well and <gasps> we just went to the park to kick around oh, sometimes right, in the afternoon right. yeah, yeah. Um, so now wow. a father to Lou said that his children have more knowledge about AFL than him and yeah. participate in Auskick, which is an Australian like children's AFL program. Both yeah, my my yeah. kids went through that as well. It's really fun. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. They give you like a uh, backpack with bowls and all the AFL merchandise and encourage nice. you to support a yeah. team. Um, of course,
1: oh my god, seriously Why do they do that for the arts?
0: Yeah, they should do it too Yeah, you know? hey, yeah, yeah, I agree um, The article also highlighted a female AFL player, Darcy Vecchio She has an Italian father and a Chinese mother Oh, oh cool, um, she's hot Darcy said that coming into a multicultural program almost five years ago I remember one of the things they present to us were photos of what people would see when they turn on the TV the leaders of the game And it was predominantly white people. Mm. Um, So in 2020, about 15% of AFL players were born overseas or at least have one parent born overseas. This was up from 13% in 2019. So 2% increase. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, the AFL said that eighty-seven thousand plays in community football, and twenty-one percent of the Aussie participations had a multicultural background. At this moment, I looked up there's apparently only one male player that mm. has Chinese background, Lin Jong, oh, okay. Lin Jong. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So hopefully, you know, in the near future, we'll see more Asian participate in AFL.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I prefer AFL. I mean, AFL rugby players, and NRL, NFL, rugby Rot- union—they're uni, all, yeah. yeah, they're all rapists basically. Um- <laughs> There's a, there's a really bad culture in it. Yeah, we yeah. all know that. Um, but, yeah. yeah, but 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 um, I think if I had to choose, I would prefer AFL culture over rugby. I just feel like rugby is like ugh, gross, gross. All the men also are like disgustingly built. They're all very Whereas, like, toxic I feel like, environment. Yeah, I mean, uh, AFLs I just, uh, yeah, all feel yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like um all of them are rapists, but um AFL is maybe a bit classier because like the men are taller and not as <laughs> and they're leaner. They're not as like buff. I just find buff men really threatening. And like mm-hmm. when I see a buff man, I see insecurity written all over his <laughs> You're talking man. about Kevin. T- <laughs> I've got to comment on our brother, but anyway, yeah. Honestly, um, uh, what do you think about that theory? I have that the more buff you are as a man, the more insecure you are deep down. I think uh, like, uh, my theory I th- sits. I think
0: it, it. I think it differs individually, but I do okay. agree that I prefer AFL as well. I don't see. Yeah. I don't like seeing. Like I don't know much rules about the union and the League, yeah. but I do feel yeah. like when you're watching a game or League or Union, they they seem more violent. Yeah, 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 exactly. whereas AFL, maybe people can tell me that I'm wrong, but I do feel like AFL is, like you say, it's more classy and they don't do as much head-on cocaine. tackle. They don't do as much cocaine, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, that's because they we're jump in each other.
0: New South Wales. It might be different in Victoria. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, well, well since we're talking about sport, what's your favourite sport to watch? Oh, to watch. Yeah.
0: I haven't really watched any competitive sports for a very, very long time. At the moment, I will probably, if I'm going to go on YouTube and search up sports to watch, I'll probably do just watching climbing at the moment.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I like that.
0: Because yeah. in the past, you know, I watched tennis, soccer, and there's just so much controversy around drug, doping, yeah. shits, yeah. you know, news. And I just kind of feel confident. That climbing is less toxic. I don't know about if climbing is less toxic because I I participate in climbing myself. So I like to watch in a sense that I can probably gain some knowledge or technique skill from it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My favorite sport to watch on YouTube is obviously Ultimate Frisbee because Frisbee Frisbee people are so like just, it's such, yeah, it's like it's a disc. Uh-huh. You know, like they're playing with a disc and it's something that flies so beautifully. I just love the Frisbee. It's such a beautiful like object. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not big into watching sports. Competitive I think, sports. Um, yeah. I think I like, I used to like tennis only because our parents liked tennis, you know? Yeah. Mums like are we obsessed used to watch, with Yeah, yeah our mom, Open. Yeah, yeah. She loved watching tennis. Um, And we really watched it often for the stars, you know? So like if we didn't know who was playing, we wouldn't watch it, yeah. you know? So it's like only, um there's a fan draw cards, kind of yeah. like a celebrity exactly. serene around yeah. it yeah like we grew up watching Sam France and Agassi you know those were our heroes uh-huh. right yeah 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 other than that you said that you like you seem to like um it would it be true if i said you like um solo sports uh, like bouldering is solo right yeah, like have you i think when was so. the last time you played in a team sport <laughs>
0: i can't remember never honestly. helen
1: helen never ba- blank
0: <laughs> in high school yeah i, I love in, team sports i participated in volleyball right and right. softball when i was in high school maybe oh like yeah, I turns. yeah i remember
1: yeah i remember
0: that's about it yeah yeah i'm not um, a very I, team sport person
1: <laughs> i yeah i love it i played netball with my housemate a few maybe last year and the year before but Um, That's an ex-housemate. He no longer lives with me, so um, I've stopped playing with him. But, yeah, we used to do mixed netball, and that was a lot of fun. I love it. I love playing with men and women. Like, that's – yeah, and and the good thing about – Playing Ultimate Frisbee, also, it's often the mixed teams, and it's just such a nicer vibe you when you have. Don't discriminate against. Yeah, there's gender. no like yeah. cattiness and there's no like that disgusting, overhyped masculinity uh-huh. when it's just all men. Yeah, yeah, I,
0: yeah. I get you. I get you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, if you have play in team sports that is just central for one gender, you'll understand yeah. what Jess is talking about. Exactly. Yeah. <gasps> uh, let's take a break and yep. we'll be right back on our second topic of on a documentary from Taiwan
1: yeah we'll be right back Hey guys, so we're back and uh, before we started recording back <laughs> after the doing the break, I showed Helen my coffee cake, vegan coffee cake um, I have been like I'm obsessed with baking and cooking because mm. I just find it just soothes me. I know it's probably irritating for Helen to hear this because Helen is, as the main domestic person, um, she actually is forced to cook for <laughs> three other people every night. So, like, I'm not in that situation. I either cook for myself or for my partner, Um, so it's different. And, you know, if I'm lazy, I just order. It. We just go out uh-huh. and eat. But I really love cooking. Like, same with Kyle, my friend Kyle, one of my best friends. Like, cooking is such a nourishing thing that we do to calm ourselves like it's a really yeah, calming gesture yeah, i agree with that yeah. i agree with yeah. that it's, cooking is like therapeutical yeah it's yeah. so and especially baking like um the other day and like last night andrew was just like and he wasn't nasty about it he was just observing he's like you've been baking a lot recently and i was like yeah because i bake when i'm fucking depressed <laughs> like and i'm not good i'm not like i'm not depressed about anything in the sense that you know nothing bad has happened in my life and i'm very grateful for that uh-huh. um but just like um sometimes there's this feeling that just presses on my heart when i wake up and like i have no idea where it comes from and i just don't understand it i just don't feel well like mm-hmm. in my head and in my heart and so maybe that's depression who knows i don't know i've never been clinically diagnosed but like i felt like i just wanted some feeling to go away it was an uncomfortable feeling and so i went out into my garden and I started, like, watering my garden and, like, immediately I felt better. Yeah. So I think, like, that was good. But also I just, I like making cake. Like, like, I just really like producing something that's sweet, you know. It makes me so happy to, to like, put flour and sugar together yeah. and then an hour later you have this amazing thing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, how I'll do you feel? Because, yeah. Helen, you I, bake a I, lot I, as well. I bake a lot as well and I like yeah. to bake. It's Like I say, it's a very uh <laughs> I lost the word. It's a very ther- yeah. therapeutic um, procedure of yeah. measuring ingredients. Exactly. exactly. Put them together. It's like yeah. a kind of like a magic uh, process. Know. You you're know, right. How and you like, just put everything together and you put it in others. And it, works. Other, and it yeah. works.
1: Yeah. I think that's what I love. I love that there's, uh, you're guaranteed some sort of polished product as long as you follow the rules. Like yeah. no other place in life can you replicate that kind of certainty? And like when my life feels a bit uncertain, I love baking because it's like... You're, fi- you're oh, in control. Though- yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a sign that it's proof that um that if you follow something to the T, like something will work out. Mm-hmm. Like we can't do that in our, in our lives. We can't yeah. do that in our jobs, you know. So yeah. it's so um, heartwarming to know mm-hmm. that shit still Happens like good stuff happens. Where if you just follow directions and like put sugar and flour together, yeah. Who doesn't like sweet stuff? I know, right? Fuckers. (laughs) People who don't like sweet things are fucking boring. Okay, so the second part of
0: our episode today—it's kind of related. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the documentary that is recently published on YouTube. It's actually part. It went on YouTube. Uh, at the end of April, um, okay. so they do have an English um, title.
1: Mm.
0: It's called "Fat Fabi- Fabi- Fabulous." Fabulous yeah. me with fat. Um, yeah, the, fabulous, yeah.
1: not fab. F A T, not F A B. Yeah. So
0: the literal translation of the documentary should be "Survival Rules for Succulent Females," as in oh, succulent. succulent females. Yeah. I love it. I really, I really these... prefer the the actual like Chinese. Yeah. Title yeah. yeah, it's really well, how cute. do you say it in Chinese? Can you read it out? I think, um, I don't have it right in front of me. I think it's uh, because oh, like is the succulent, a lot the, of flesh. The, yeah, the lot of flesh, like the plants as well.
1: Yeah,
0: so there was this Chinese production company established about a couple of years ago, they wanted to do a three year project to make some short documentary centering the people that are often marginalised from the yeah. society and not on the yeah. mainstream media. So this project is called 怪卡西地, uh Strange People Series. Um, oh, nice. So on this uh, short documentary, Fabulous Me, Amy and Marley of Lady Bonbon, a activist mm. group that I've followed for quite some time, Uh, They Mm -hmm. were invited to create a short documentary about their life of being a plus size woman in Taiwan. Yeah. So they share their childhood journey and how the society has ostracized them and how now they embrace themselves. Also, the impact of judgments from family members. Yeah, Jess, you actually have came across with them a couple of years ago, didn't you?
1: Well, when I was um doing a research assignment in Taipei in April of 2019, I went to the, um this kind of conference, mm-hmm. and the conference was something about like women's Woman. empowerment. Yeah, yeah, it was like two days of conferences of speakers, um, women talking about women's issues, and I I'm pretty sure these two women um did a seminar. I just forgot. Because like I don't have my notes and my memory is blurry from that time, but yeah, I think um I think it was these two women talking about fat rights activism in Mm -hmm. Taiwan, and they were so smart and so articulate. I I mean, they're extraordinary. These two women, I like, I just love listening to them speak. Uh huh. Yeah. So one of the group member,
0: Amy, uh, she works. She's also a lesbian, so she's very intersectional here. Yeah. She works at a LGBT. QI um, hotline in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. So she also does a Chinese podcast called Lesbian Weekly, which I love to listen to. Oh, okay. Um, You mentioned when you were watching it, like the beginning of the documentary yesterday. Yeah. That you said that you really liked the line from Mali. Yes. Um, yes. She said. Yeah, you quoted.
1: Okay. Yeah. So um uh the my favorite line in the beginning of the documentary was when Mali said, "If it weren't for my figure." I wouldn't care about so many people who are different in their own way.
0: Yeah. Then I just told you that, yeah, people who are usually marginalized from the society have bigger mind and bigger hearts. They see so much things so differently from the mainstream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's hard. I, I don't think I would naturally be drawn to anyone who looks like Zac Efron because like someone in Zac Efron's body, I don't, like, unless something has happened to him, generally would not have any kind of worldview where they Mm -hmm. can actually see what they're blind to because the world functions around someone who's straight and white and able-bodied and Mm -hmm. cis. Yeah.
0: It made me remember, wasn't there a piece that was written by Roxanne Gay, her experience of getting up on the stage, the shameful feeling that she felt about her body, that she couldn't Uh reach up the stage. And um, everyone just sat there without helping her really that's yeah. atrocious
1: what the f- wow that's really sad i
0: think there's still a lot of stereotype about fat people in our society they are usually regarded as lazy funny mm. they eat a lot and yeah or people like it also in the documentary as well people will regard them that oh you're just in a face you know your transition out of this
1: for instance amy her when she has this all like really sad um part where in, she's in the kitchen eating with her mum, and she's like asking her mum about like what were you concerned anxious about mm-hmm. me growing up and her mum says something like oh i just thought you would um grow out, of, out of your it. fatness yeah like she just thought it was a phase mm-hmm.
0: yeah it happens a lot in asian cultures as in like mm-hmm. um it's particularly harsh in Asian culture because yeah. the standard of beauty is very mu- much out there. And when I was growing up, or even at now, you look at the casting they have for Hollywood films, the plus size yeah. woman or man, usually like in comedy films, like at least 99% of them, I feel yeah. like, yeah. like um, Melissa McCartney, Amy Schumer, Rebel, Rebel Wilson. Wilson. Yeah, yeah, we all yeah. love them, but they yeah. are not cast in series roles like murdering yeah. or a yeah. bit more dramatic family-centered film. Dramas. Yeah, or yeah. dramas, yeah.
1: yeah. The comedy always is, like, mandated or preset by the fact of their their extra weight. Yeah, Sorry, not extra weight, by their um, body.
0: But yeah, by their body shape. And they all regard yeah. that they should be funny because they're fat,
1: yeah. Yeah, I know. That's just, like, absolutely disgusting, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, I yeah. don't use that word lightly. I just think like everyone we watch on TV is skinny. Like even newsreaders. Why don't we ever see any fat newsreaders? You know what mm-hmm. the fuck?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that's fucked true. up. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, it reminds me, Helen, your discussion, well, our discussion right now. it Reminds me of I uh, we went to see Queer Stories at the Sydney Writers Festival a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. where like on the Saturday, um, five, six, seven, about a few, a few queer people talked about, like read out their personal stories and one of them was Chrissy Keen Mm -hmm. who's like fat, who's like I think she just calls herself fat and she's okay with that and she's a plus-sized person and she um, talked about coming out um, with her kind of um, interest in burlesque Mm -hmm. and she actually started stripping during the speech Mm, and it was just so empowering watching her. Like it was so brave seeing like a woman with that um, beautiful – it was such a beautiful body and she was so like – excuse me she was so unapologetic about it Mm -hmm. and it's like a body that we don't usually see anywhere yeah like yeah and she was so proud of it and like seriously the crowd were going apeshit crazy (laughs) it was so beautiful i love that
0: yeah speaking of queer community uh While I was doing research for this uh topic, I, I also looked up Shrewd. Um I know I found uh, out, shrewd, yeah. yeah, I found out loves that, that show. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that the season three is out on SBS demand. And I rewatched <laughs> from season one again, like mm-hmm. from yesterday, um, because he has the best music. Uh especially season two, episode two, Peter Smith scene God Only Knows. It's the most beautiful fucking beautiful moment i think
1: i swear helen loves that song because of you've um her helen's favorite movie just um i love action <laughs> yeah right. that's one of them yeah that's one of them but the
0: scene is so beautifully created because it's like a, it was set in a queer party where everyone dressed up as they want and danced as they want and it was a safe safe space for them yeah yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. I'll rewatched it because I want to uh, catch up on the third season. And they also have the hottest and the coolest lesbian on the show. And is that the black <laughs> sidekick? The black good friend and also yeah. the black uh, friend's hot lesbian girlfriend, oh, Emily. Oh,
1: all yeah. oh, right. Emily. Is she white?
0: Yeah, she's white.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. As Helen says, disappointedly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but Actually, she's so hot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um... While we're speaking, uh, news has come out that um, Brooke Blerton has become the next Bachelorette, and she's the first Indigenous and bisexual slash queer slash mixed gender oh, okay. wow. contestant. Yeah, so or Bachelorette. So, okay. yeah, that's really that's really great. I mean, she's super hot. That she's mm. not breaking any boundaries there, but uh, but yeah, it's great that they have an Indigenous person.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, we're derailed a bit from there, so I want to kind of pull her back. And talk about the show, I'm sure uh, on the very first episode in season one, like we talk about racial microaggressions. When Mm. I rewatched episode again, I picked up there's so many microaggressions against fat people. Right. Like where you can see that she went into the cafe, she saw a note about um, like fitness called Tone, yeah. Tonia. And then she ran into this girl who posted the fitness ad. The girl saying, commenting, oh, you've got a really small wrist. You know, you have a small yeah. person inside of your body oh, dying disgusting. to get out. Oh. And she, she's saying that, oh, I can help you to achieve your ideal weight. Whereas the bystander found that, oh, it's just so crazy of the encounter that she had. But they also comment that, oh, who, do you know who you remind me of? You remind me yeah. of Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, God. Jesus you know, Christ. it's just this little Jesus bit of microaggressions Christ. happens all around yeah. them. Um, Amy from the documentary also mentioned that she gets stared all the time and people oh, make noises when she, you know, yeah. walking past. Yeah. And like I said, the judgment in Asia is a lot more harsher because Asian woman... Has always been like fetishized as being considered yeah. slim, small, yeah. petite. I've talked about my experience in my high school where yeah. Asian girls are constantly on dieting um, yeah. discussion all the time. In the earlier this year, we talked about toxic deprecation of our own body image. I actually yeah. found for this episode, I found a piece of writing yeah. by Jennifer Chan. This is written in 2015, but still very relevant today. It's titled, Are There Fat Asians? Yes, I'm one of them. Yeah, It's a really well-written piece, um, which I'm going to have it on our show link. I'm just mm. going to read out a, a couple of paragraphs here. Yeah, sure. She said that although every woman subject to those same stupid standard of impossibly skinny waist, busty boobs, and twig type, in Asian American culture losing weight and being skinny is tentament to getting good grades. First generation Mm. Asian parents are are just as proud of us when we graduate from a top university as when we shed serious pounds At 5 feet tall my large runner type calves stocky frame and size 8 waist are equivalent of getting an F (laughs) minusoma calculus (laughs) I love my Taiwanese heritage, but at any family gathering, conversations often revolve around who has gained weight and who has lost weight. Uh, Mm. Oh, So-and-so used Mm. to be so cute as a kid, but now they really gained a lot of weight. Or Mm. can you believe so-and-so lost so much weight? They look so much better now. As a teenager, Mm. I tried diet pills, eating only oranges for breakfast and joining a tennis team, tried to morph my body into size to GAP jeans, which never mm. happened. Mm. And my heaviest, I was 160 pounds. I have a photo from the time period that my mother, who I love dearly, told me to never look like that again. And my wow. father once took me to a doctor's office to inquire about plastic surgery because he deemed yeah. my thick lip equivalent to pig's lips. Plastic surgery is common in South Korea and Taiwan as a way to fix women's faces and bodies. Liposuctions, nose jobs, calf reduction surgeries and double eyelid surgeries are popular ways to conform to more pleasing Western features.
1: Mm. Yeah, what do you think about that? Uh, Super fucked up. Yeah. And um, really, really, really gut-wrenching and heartbreaking.
0: We're not immune from it. I think when we were growing
1: up, our parents (laughs) even to now our dad yeah like yeah exactly like i'm we said this before on the podcast but our dad like when our sister lisa after she had a baby my our dad was like oh you are you pregnant again because she had a stomach like her stomach was flopping out a bit and i was like fuck you dad that's fucking rude but lisa just like brushed it off i don't know how she can be like that but anyway yeah there's a lot of fat shaming everywhere like even in our movies like i'm thinking in um. In the movie Captain Fantastic starring Viggo Mortensen, who I don't like. I just think he's a pretty, like, standard <laughs> actor. He, um, there's a scene where, like, they come out from their wild wilderness and then they're going, they're sitting in some sort of office and then, like, the, one of the kids comments on how large the people are because in, in a lot of middle America, um, a lot of white Americans are very big. You know, like physically mm-hmm. big, and it's just like repulsive. That scene is disgusting. It's like basically fat shaming anyone who's like not skinny. It's just gross. Yeah. The fat shaming yeah. happens everywhere, fat and I think uh, happens everywhere. Yeah. It's very bad yeah. in Asia, and they don't yeah. think
0: that it's shaming. I mean, they know yeah. it's shaming, but they feel like the. I guess the parents or the, you know, the, the first generations. They think that oh, the way that I'm going to shame you, and you'll feel the shame, and you're going to do something about it.
1: Yeah that's yeah how, that, that's what they think. I yeah. I think that's like I I think shame is the when you make someone feel shame about themselves. I think that is the most evil egregious thing that one person can do to another person. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that it's actually a lot of parents who end up doing that because of you know a million reasons, right? I mean, parents are human beings and human and they have their own shame. Mm-hmm. And so like shame kind of bleeds into other forms of shaming, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking about Chrissy Keane's speech at the Writers' Festival. She said something like, often when she goes... Um, to sit at a bus stop or a bus train station or seats at in public areas, the seats are too small for her. Mm-hmm. And like when she goes on a plane, the seats are too small for her. Mm-hmm. And when she goes to a restaurant, like the seats sometimes are very delicate and yeah. she can't sit because she feels like she's going to fucking break them. And then she even said like in a lot of instances when she goes out, she breaks the chairs because like they're so inadequate. Mm-hmm. They don't fit a diverse number of different bodies. They yeah, just fit exactly. fucking skinny people.
0: Yeah, Amy from the documentary, she also mentioned that the reason that they started their Lady Bonbon bon, um group, the fact activism, was that to raise awareness of how inconvenient for them going yeah. on public transport and yeah. you know how you know how yeah. some public transports they have like designated seats, as in they're not yeah. flat. They have like a arm.
1: Yeah. in the middle exactly between them between them
0: so it makes them really uncomfortable
1: i know yeah Yeah. i've noticed that a lot yeah in like train on train stations they have like petitions Mm. by using yeah armrests yeah Yeah. and what's
0: worse that when they raise the question about this kind of thing being kind of like discriminated they get Mm. trolls they get people on online saying that oh it's your own problem why should we invest in your own problem yeah you know just feel like oh People should start thinking beyond the, you know, beyond the confinement of social expectations of being the certain size, because yeah. that's how it eventually damages a lot of people's um, mental wealth. You just need to be yeah. fit in one size, and you think one size yeah. fits all, which doesn't happen. Yeah. To um, so how should we feel comfortable, and also we should really feel comfortable in our own bodies yeah like yeah. in the documentary they say they they eventually come in you know embracing their own um body figures, you know yeah um, for example, cut off the toxic social media that praises like super skinny and unattendable <laughs> body yeah, types exactly um, yeah, follow the influences that's promoting more like body positivity or body normality yeah. because yeah, the things that you see online are just it creates. Uh, more toxicity in your brain, I think, just feeling yeah, like exactly. you see all the young girls as they think that oh, I my life goal is to be super skinny, mm. whereas you can yeah. do much more than that.
1: I love how uh, um Amy has like a uh, uh, tattoos on her of like narwhals Oh, that was well. Mali, I think. Yeah, Mali. Yeah. Oh, Mali, right? Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I actually might think about getting a tat of a narwhal, <laughs> <laughs> narwhal is just love like that. my spirit love, animal yeah narwhals are narwhal. my spirit animal uh yeah because like marley was saying like she often gets called names like cow whale mm. um like just big animals and mm-hmm. elephant you know It's fucking de- dehumanizing her mm-hmm. yeah so <laughs> anyway i think helen is going to kindly put that documentary in our show notes and everyone it's only about 20 minutes so Go and watch it. It's so well made and it's so beautiful and so heartwarming as well. Yeah, don't have to worry that there's no if it's in Chinese because oh, got, because there are fantastic, subtitle. subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Got fantastic subtitles. Yeah, fantastic subtitles. Yeah, I can't wait to go back to Taiwan. I'm just like. Yeah, I, I just cannot wait. This will definitely be the first country I go to overseas once I get vaccinated. Yeah, but we have to wait
0: until the situation dies down in Taiwan because they just had the spike of cases in Taiwan. Did
1: they? Really? Yeah. Oh, you haven't been following oh, the news? That. No. Yeah. Oh, my gosh.
0: So, unfortunately, their barrier has been breached because oh, of a certain shit. policy. They has shortened the, the uh, CDC in Taiwan. They shortened the quarantine dates for the pilots and the airline uh-huh. staff. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, one of the pilots was infected and it, Ooh, like, within three days of quarantine, he left his quarantine place. And yeah, so it's pretty bad at the moment, like two, three hundred yeah. cases every day.
1: Well, you're kidding. Mm. Oh, my gosh. It's really bad. You just have to okay. wait
0: and see what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's it from me today. Yeah, yeah. It was a good chat. We yeah. covered a lot of broad topics. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening,
0: guys. Yeah, so that's the end of our top uh, episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and share with your friends. Asian Bitches Down Under, welcome listeners to support our shows through cast support system. Your donation will help us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry.
1: Yes, yeah, so we will chat to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Helen. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.